Isn't that awesome? I, in my prior job, I got to work a lot with cardiologists. I love cardiologists. Their job is to uh, keep our hearts going, protect our hearts, fix our hearts, and then they teach us how to keep our hearts healthy. And uh, yeah, I really like the one of, hey, this Valentine's Day, let's do something lacy, you know, and it's got tennis shoes there. I think that was awesome. <laughs> That's what we're talking about today. We're in a series talking about heart health and taking care of our hearts, but not our physical hearts. We're talking about our, our spiritual hearts. And, and so I was thinking of the cardiologist, you know, this week and in a week before when we're praying with staff, we're praying with others. Uh, there's just something on my mind right now is, is, is I've been praying a lot and actually praising a lot for our medical people, all the people that are involved and getting us through the pandemic, all the people, all the doctors, all the scientists, all the people, the mass number of people it takes to immunize uh, our nation and around the world. And don't you agree with me? Isn't it fascinating? Who here is, I know Doc, we got you here. Who, just raise your hand. Who's here in the medical world that's making an impact? And online, uh, Julie, I know you're there in the health department. You watch us every Sunday. Like, put a little thumbs up on Facebook Live for us. But can we give them a big round of thanks? Because I don't think it can ever give them enough thanks. We are all very hopeful that we're on the tail end of this and moving forward. And so shout out to them. You know, there was a time in the pandemic where the doctors were just staggered. They couldn't figure out what was going on. And bodies were piling up. And I'm not talking 2020. I'm talking 1854. The city was London. And as a disease it broke out, it went pandemic throughout Great Britain around the areas, and they didn't know what it was. And literally, bodies were being put out in the street. Fear uh, became so high that people quit going out in public, and yet they would lock themselves in the home, and yet still they were dying, even locked away in their homes. There's panic everywhere, and then one doctor tries something. His name's Dr. John Snow. And he started studying the, the parts of London. He specifically went after one area in London, a, a poor neighborhood. And he found out 89 people died just in one week. So you can see the map. If you go out and look at this on Google, you can see the map. He mapped out every house just in this little area of 89 people that died just that week. Trying to figure out what is going on. And after he studied all these families and these 89 people, he found out one thing that they all had, all had connected them together is they'd all drank from the well on Broad Street. For you see, in 1854, you didn't have plumbing coming into your houses. They'd all drank from the well on Broad Street. So Dr. Snow immediately got a hold of the civic leaders, and he says, take that handle off that pump. And they did. They took the handle off the pump to the well, and in two weeks, there was not a new occurrence of this disease in that neighborhood. But here's the problem is even though you take the handle off, the well was still the problem, and they found out what was going on. The sanitation system sewage had leaked into the well. The disease was cholera, and cholera just in a few days will take your life. This bacteria is so nasty. And once they figured that out, they were able to contain the sanitation system and reverse the pandemic. The solution was stop the sewage flowing into the well's of the city and our hearts are just like a well they flow in and out they're the centerpiece of our life and if any sewage comes into them they affect not only the heart they affect our whole body 
and they affect those around us. So that's where we're going to start today. We're going to talk about heart health and guarding our hearts. We want to welcome everybody. We're glad you're here. To our guests, we're really glad you're here too. Those who are online, uh, those who are here in person, you got this Connect card off uh, the worship guide when you got in. We've got these sermon notes that outline everything here that are on the back, but we would love to connect with you. We're glad that you, we're glad all of you braved out this day, and we know a lot of you are online with us today, and we're glad you're linked into us because it's going to get warm here in a good way. And so uh, we would love to connect with you, though, uh, if we can. Um, we are in week number two of a series called Matters of the Heart. And last week, just let me recap what we talked about last week. We talked about heart of the matter. We just talked about the heart. It is the center of our soul and spirit, our will, our desire, and our feelings. Everything comes here. The Bible talks about it between 800 and 1,000 times. The heart is our center. So much that we said that God looks at the heart. We look at the outside. God looks at the heart more than anything else the Bible describes. He watches us here at the center of our soul. Uh, we talked about David, this young man. He wasn't picked because how good looking he was. He picked because God saw his heart and David became a man after God's own heart. And then we gave ourselves advices. The worst advice is don't follow your heart for our human condition is sinful. And if we follow our heart, it's normally going to take us to a place that we don't want to go. But we said, let your heart be led. And we showed the scripture where Jesus actually comes. When we believe in him, he comes and he dwells in our hearts. And we said he's like our open heart surgeon. He's at work every day in our hearts, correcting whether, and we let him reside there. It changes us. And we put him the master of our heart. And then we gave some signs of, have you gone through open heart surgery? And we made that list. If you want to catch up on that, we actually had a really good response from that sermon last week. I, sometimes you just don't know how the Holy Spirit works. But go back and capture that last week if you haven't and watch that online uh, through our YouTube channel or on our website. So last week we talked about, so that's the heart, heart of the matter. This week, if we get Jesus in our heart and he's there dwelling and doing surgery every day and growing us and making us healthier, then we need to guard that heart. Guard that heart. And that's where we're going to hang today. How do we protect the most important thing in our life? And even more importantly, who protects our heart? Who protects our heart? Because, ladies and gentlemen, for the Christian, the heart is always under attack. Always. So last week we talked about David, who became King David, major role player in the Bible. This week we're going to talk about his son, Solomon. Solomon became a king too. Uh, Solomon was very wise. Solomon built the first temple. God gave Solomon an incredible amount of wisdom, so much wisdom. And Solomon wasn't perfect. You'll find that out when you read about him in the Bible. But, but what we know is Solomon did a lot of good through his wisdom, so much good wisdom did Solomon have. They wrote a whole book, most of it, we have in the Bible called the book of Proverbs. And Solomon penned it. What's interesting is that a lot of us will quote Proverbs and not even realize we're quoting every day. Things are actually out of the Bible. But God didn't give Solomon a pen in his hand and write these down to be a good practical book with cool sayings. God got Solomon to write these things down because he knew they would go deep and they would penetrate our heart. It would take what our heart and our mind, it would bring them together, and in that wisdom, it would change us. It would change us. There's a whole book that impacts us. So I want to go to Proverbs today. I want to go hang out with Solomon together. I want to go back a few thousand years ago, and I want to hang out in chapter 4. And what's amazing in chapter 4 is Solomon is spending all of chapter 4 talking to his children. He's talking to his children. He's given them the wisdom for life. 
And I remember, you know, we get Proverbs and we get it written out and we think, well, Solomon wrote this and it was for everybody's benefit and it's for our benefit today. But I cannot imagine a dad writing this down and never sitting down with his children and actually reading it to them. So if you bear with me, I want to do that today. I want to be Solomon and Layla's going to help me. Layla, you want to help me? Layla's going to be my daughter. He, he wrote this to his sons. Come up here and sit with me, Layla. And he wrote this to his daughters. And, and Layla, I imagine one time God, or, the, or Solomon got to this, and he just treasured this moment where he shared this with his daughter, okay? Okay. So we're in Proverbs 4. We're starting in verse 20. It's the biggest part of chapter 4. And Solomon says this to his daughter. He says, my child, he says, pay attention to what I say. He said, listen carefully to my words. Don't lose sight of them. He's saying, don't lose sight of my words that I'm sharing with you. Instead, let them penetrate deep, deep into your heart. Deep into your heart. Because when they do, Layla, they bring life to those who find these words and understand them. And that heals their whole body. And this is the best part. He tells his daughter, above all else, above all else, guard your heart. Guard your heart. For from it flow the springs of life. Above all else, nothing's more important. Guard your heart. Sweet daughter, for from it flow the springs of life. Let's say that one together. You want to do that one? I can get my close to my mic, ready? Say it. Above all, all else, guard your heart. So Solomon's sharing this with Dari, saying, let it penetrate deep to your heart. He says, the very words I give you will give you life. The life any father, mother wants for their daughter, their son. But when he says lately, when he says above all else, I believe whenever you see that phrase in the Bible or something similar, it, means, it really means above all else. It means you can take almost everything else out and throw it out. You can throw out the whole book of Proverbs and hold on to just this. Above all else, guard your heart. And Layla's going to read the first sermon note you got there for us. This is what he's telling his daughter. You want to read that one for me? Sermon note number one. Guard your heart, for when it is lost, all is lost. Say it really loud one more time. Guard your heart, for when it is lost, all is lost. Great. Guard your heart. Solomon's saying, when you lose that, everything's lost. He tells his daughter this is the greatest thing. He says, guard your heart. And what's interesting here, Layla, what we can't see in the English is what was originally written in the Hebrew. He's actually using pictures and words here, two of them, that are really important, that his daughter would have got right away, that we can't necessarily see unless we go in a little deeper. Your version may say, keep your heart. Keep your heart. It says, from it come the well springs of life. The word is very clear, it's a well. He's saying, guard the well of your heart because everything that flows from it, it's critical. So he says, imagine your heart being a well, and his daughter or son would have got it. They would have got it because in the city and in the villages they lived, the wells were the only thing that kept them alive, right? We, we're so easy, we put on, turn on a spigot and water just comes, right? They had to go to the well every day. The sons and daughters would have to go to the well and draw water and bring it back. Can you, what happens if the village has no water? They die. They die. 
And so he's really showing how important this is. Your heart is the well of life. And so she would have got that. She would have got that. It would have made sense. Without water, we're in trouble. He says, guard your heart like a water well, for from your heart are the springs of living water, your very life. You rocked it. Good job. Would you guys give Layla a round of applause and thank her for... I just thought that moment was really cool to think of that. I, some questions we, you know, I got to this point. It's like, well, do we guard our hearts? Right? Do we, do we really guard our hearts? I bet both of us sit here and think, it's like, yeah, I, I think we guard our hearts pretty well. We guard the hearts of our kids. We guard the hearts of our families. And, and then I come across this children's story that asks that question of kids. How well do you guard your heart? So I took that list and I modified it for us because I thought I had my heart guarded till I read this. First question, here's the list. How guarded are our hearts? Questions to ask ourselves. First one, who am I mad at? Who am I mad at? And you might think right now, it's like, well, I'm not really mad at anybody, but who walks across my path during a week and I change, right? Who in my heart am I practicing unforgiveness with? Here's the next one. What came out of my mouth this week that I had to apologize for? Or what did you come out of your mouth that you should have apologized for? And you're like going, well, nothing. It's like, okay, let's go back seven days, second quarter, Super Bowl. <laughs> I turned it off in the third quarter because of what was about ready to come out of my mouth. What came out of our mouth this week that if I was sitting across from Jesus, I would be apologizing about it? Third one, who did I celebrate failing? Who did I celebrate failing this week? I know this one seems kind of weird, but who did I trash talk? Now that's outward, right? Who did I trash talk and celebrate them failing? But really, we're usually more passive aggressive, aren't we? Who did I say, yes, karma, right? Who, who got back? Who, kids, who, like, you both got in trouble, but your brother or sister got grounded and you didn't, and you're like going, yes, that's the same thing. Who did I celebrate? Who did I celebrate failing? Next question. Where did I go that I shouldn't have? Where did I go that I shouldn't have? I was having such a bad week, really healthy, went by the ice cream aisle at the store. I could have just got a pint. I bought the three-gallon type <laughs> moment. But maybe it wasn't a quart of ice cream. Maybe it was a quart of 100 proof because I need to get numb, because I hurt. Where did I go I shouldn't have? What door of what place did I walk through that I did not belong there? And with today, there's a whole different way to look at this. What button did I click that took me somewhere I shouldn't go? The thing is today, well, I'll get into that a little later. Here's the next question. What, what do I hope nobody discovers about me? What do I take extra lengths to hide? A couple extra steps here and there to hide so make sure nobody discovers about me. And then what happens is when I live in fear like that and I take all those steps, what keeps me up at night? What am I dreaming about that reminds me of what I'm scared or what I'm protecting? Last one. What did I tell a white lie about? You know, white lies are easy. It's just not telling the whole story, 
or maybe shading it a little bit, exaggerating, just they're not really a lie, but it's not really the truth either. When we look at that list, I added those up, and I realized my heart's not as guarded as I thought it was. And I imagine a bunch of us, we see that, and we're like going, yeah, I don't have a guard in my heart everywhere I should be. That's okay. We're going to talk about how to fix that today. So what do we do? So, so we're going we're gonna to talk about guarding our hearts. We're supposed to be guarding it because like Solomon said, we need to protect it above all else. This thing is really important and we lose it, we lose everything. So let's go after guarding our hearts. You know, I, I think there's a common response that when we think of guarding our hearts, I think of when I was 16 years old and I had a date not go bad, you know, and somebody rejected me and I just guard my heart. What do we do? We built a wall, right? That's how I guard my heart. We just built a wall. We sl- Let's think of a castle. I build a castle up real quick. The moat bridge comes up, and we slam all the steel doors closed, right? That's how we protect a heart. That's actually, actually a normal human nature, is that build a wall. That's how I guard my heart. Done. What's the problem with that? Second sermon note. Together, hearts aren't guarded by stone walls and steel doors. They're not. And let me explain why. Let's go back to Solomon, verse 23. Above all else, guard your heart, for from it flow the springs of life. If I throw a wall up, if I take the moat bridge up, if I slam the doors, I'm working exactly against the way God's designed my heart. For from it flows. Our hearts are given to us, and they are designed to flow outward. And so slamming doors and building walls does not, it works completely against God's design for us. So here's the challenge, and I know this is going to rub us all wrong. This is almost paradoxical, is that keep our hearts wide open. That's how I'm telling you to guard your heart. Keep them wide open. Now that doesn't fly with anybody, does it? Solomon, when we go back to that word, not only, when we go back to above all else, keep your heart. Above all else, guard your heart. The word there in the original Hebrew means post a watchman. This would have made a lot of sense to the kids because a lot of the villages had watchmen at night. They didn't close the gates. They posted watchmen at the gates. So Solomon says, keep your heart. He's saying, post a watchman at the well of your heart, but keep it open. And then he tells his son or his daughter or his whole his kids, he tells them, he moves on in verse 24, he tells them, here's where you post a watchman. Here's where we guard at. Starting in verse 24, he says, this is how we do it. We avoid all perverse talk. We stay away from corrupt speech. You look straight ahead and you fix your eyes on what lies before you. You mark out a straight path for your feet and then you stay on that safe path. And don't get sidetracked. Don't get distracted. Don't get pulled away. Keep your feet from following evil. That's how he follows up. Above all else, guard your heart. He follows it up with that. And when we look at those verses, guys, what we're seeing here is what I would call three gates to our heart. He's saying, guard your heart. Post a watchman at your eyes, at your tongue, and at your feet. And I'm going to add a fourth one at our thoughts. Now you go ahead. Post to watchman at our heart to guard our tongue, eyes, feet, and thoughts. 
So let's go through those. Let's go through those. How, what does the Bible tell us about posting a watchman to guard our hearts? First, here we go. Your next sermon note, number three. Post a watchman at the gates of our hearts to first govern our tongue. Post a watchman at our tongue. I always say, draw a line at your vocal cords, right? We're human. It is not sinful to have a bad thought come up or a bad word come up. If it makes it past our vocal cords, then it gets bad. So I always talk about, I, I can hit my hand and, with a hammer and be amazed as a pastor, the word that comes up my windpipe. That I stop at my vocal cords, right? Because your vocal cords, uh, all they do is it's wind that shoots between them and they vibrate and it makes all these cool words that I'm talking about. So I try to stop it at the vocal cords. It's amazing what comes up. That's not sinful. When it gets past them, it can be very much so. So set a watchman at your vocal cords. Control human nature. Verse, uh, Psalm 141 here, it says, take control of what I say, O Lord, and guard my lips. Don't let me drift toward evil or take part in acts of wickedness. And so the assumption here is when we read this, it realizes how much control we really do have of our lips. Take control, O Lord, of my lips and my tongue. Take control of my vocal cords. Why is that so important? Because we get to Proverbs 18.21, which reminds us the power of the tongue. And Proverbs 18.21 reminds us that the tongue can bring death or life. Those who love to talk will reap the consequences. That air that gets passed and through my vocal cords can breathe life or death. If there's sewage going through my hearts, I can breathe death. Or I can choose to only let life come out of my mouth. Let the air that gets past my vocal cords only, O Lord, form life-giving words. Think about that. God, every day pray that the only thing comes out of this mouth. But can I tell you, as humans, you don't have one tongue. You have 11. Because these things can type and have the power of the tongue. In our tweets, our posts, our emails, our messages, these have the power of tongue, too. And life or death can come to them. So there, post a guard. Post a guard there at my tongue. Next one, post a watchman at the gates of our hearts to guard our eyes. Here's the next gate we gotta cover, our eyes. Anything our eyes see, flood that into our heart. Anything that we see is good comes through the eyes and floods the heart. Anything that we see is bad comes through the eyes and floods the heart. Matthew, 20, uh, Matthew 6 brings this up very clearly. I have this actually on the screen of my phone. This scripture verse, it says, your eye is like a lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body through your heart is filled with light. But when your eye is unhealthy, your whole body is filled with darkness. What I let in through these eyes goes right to my heart, and my heart sends that throughout the rest of my body. If I allow darkness to come in, my heart's gonna grab that, fill with it and shift it out to the rest of my body. If I let light in, it will take that light and it will fill my body with light. We control our eyes, but just like our tongue, we need help. We need a watchman. We need somebody that's constantly remind us to keep our eyes on what's good. Next one, post a watchman at the gates of our hearts to guide our steps. Wherever we walk, take the watchman with us. 
Why do I say that? Because it's easy when we're here on Sunday, gathered as a body, to be pretty Christian and be pretty guarded. But when we walk out these doors, we can change, right? It's like in here, my feet are sure-footed. Out there in a the world, maybe not so much that I leave the watchman behind at church. But our character is always shown when we're by ourselves, when our Christian friends aren't around. And all of a sudden, our steps take us somewhere else. Wherever we walk, we need to take the watchman with us. Galatians 5.25 says, Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. You know, it's, it's about keeping in step. It's about letting him lead. The watchman lead. Guard your steps. Watch where we're going. Don't go there physically. The watchman will say, don't go there. You know that's not a good place to go. Don't go there. The, God, the watchman's always going to tell you too. Don't go there virtually, right? I can sit in my recliner with my feet up and go places my feet don't have to move. Let the Spirit lead. Keep in step with Him. Know the watchman's with you. Last one. Post a watchman at the gates of our hearts to gather our thoughts. Gather our thoughts. Our hearts and minds are so strongly connected. And I, I would love to take a whole week and explain all the theological ideas about mind and heart, mind and heart. Some believe they're one, some believe they're separate. Um, I want to stay focused on the hearts here, but I just want you to know that they're really connected. They're well connected. Our tongue, our eyes, our feet all impact our thought life, and our thought life impacts our tongues, our eyes, and our feet. And so Philippians 4.8, a common verse that many of us have heard, gives us this encouragement. It says, and now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about these things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Bad things coming into our mind and we are assaulted all day long with bad things that try to come into our thoughts. That in itself is not sinful, but what we do with that thought can be. And let me tell you one way. The best watchman to have when it comes to our minds is the watchman of God's word. There's a verse that says, store up in my heart your word. Why? Because when the bad thoughts come, there is a filter. And it's God's word. And God's word hits it and says, that's not good. But then God's word also tells you, this is what's good. If I don't read God's word, I don't have that storehouse in my heart. And when bad thoughts come, I get confused, I get deceived, and I go the wrong direction. And then that fills my heart. God's word is a beautiful watchman to point us to what's true, honorable, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, and praiseworthy. So yeah, don't close up our hearts. But look at these four gates of our hearts where we need to have a watchman so everything that flows in is safe and everything that flows out of us is good. And so the question we get to hear is like, hold on a second, watchman, watchman. You know, we just looked at all these scripture verses. You said God, you said Lord, you said Jesus, you said Holy Spirit, and you said Word. Who's the watchman? The answer is Yes. Look at our next sermon note together. Our heart is protected and empowered by the Holy Spirit. Now, again, I'd love to go for an hour and talk about the doctrine of Trinity. 
because I love it. But let me share just this with you. God is one in three. God is God and the Son, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. There's a beautiful word that we use. It's kind of a big word. It's called perichoretic, perichoresis. What that word means, it's a beautiful word. It sounds like a diagnosis, right? But it's a beautiful word. What it means is that the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are completely indwelling of each other. They're completely interdependent on each other. They move and operate as one all the time in three persons with three distinctions. Now the word perichoretic means dance. They dance together. They flow beautifully together. And the thing of it is the Holy Spirit invites us into that dance all the time. He pulls us into the three. And so when we say, who's the watchman? Through the Holy Spirit, God is, the Son is, the Spirit is, the Word is, all through the Holy Spirit who is our greatest watchman. As He makes the dance of all four work in our hearts and our minds and our souls. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful thing. The Holy Spirit protects the work of Jesus, the surgeon in our hearts. He invites us in. He protects him. The Holy Spirit guides the air that gets close to our vocal cords, and he guides the air that goes past. The Holy Spirit grabs your head and says, don't look that way. Look this way. The Holy Spirit is always next to us. Every step, the Holy Spirit, Spirit takes God's word that's stored up in our heart, and he makes it come alive, and he makes it come to light so we can understand it. And it's beautifully explained here in John 7. I believe it was last week of Jesus' life, Passover. Everything's coming to a culmination here in Jesus' life on earth. And he says, starting in verse 37, it says, Jesus stood and shouted to the crowd, anyone who is thirsty may come to me. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink. For the scriptures declare, rivers of living water will flow from his heart. And when he said living waters, he was speaking of the Spirit who would be given to everyone believing in Jesus. So that's how we have this watchman. Believing in Jesus and following him is how we get the gift of God's Spirit because of what Jesus did, God's Spirit can actually dwell in us. And that is not only a gift, it is strength, it is power, it is a filter, and it takes everything in our heart and this spirit flows out with what goes out of our heart. He just doesn't shoot it out. He goes with it. Come to the well that never runs dry. The scripture tells us. Come to the well that is never contaminated. Come to the well of living water and be baptized. If you have never made that decision to follow Jesus, and have the understanding of having the power of his spirit come in, clean up this heart, replace it, and out of you flow living water. Today's a great day to make that decision. If you're online with us, if you have never made that decision, today I'd really encourage you that it can give you a complete heart change. And we're here for you. All you have to do is write on this connect card saying I'd like to make that decision today. For those of you online, you have it linked right on there on Facebook Live and on our webpage. Just write it down. And the day you make that decision is we'll move fairly quickly to baptism because then we get to go into the living waters, symbolically come out new, clothed in Christ. And this place absolutely goes nuts when that happens, right? We cheer because we've all been through that. 
spirit break out, break our walls down. We just sang that. So let's leave you with one more sermon note here, wrap up today. Guarding our hearts is not self-centered. Guarding our hearts is not self-centered. Valentine's Day is all about the heart and the love and the spirit that flows out of it. It is a day we celebrate the springs of life flowing out of us to each other. It's a day that reminds us not about ourselves, but it reminds us to flow to others. Our hearts are geared for relationship. They have to flow out. How do we guard our hearts in relationships? That we'll talk about next week. Part two, guard our hearts. Ready for that? In the meantime, we're gonna go celebrate Valentine's Day, right? We're gonna put the guard at the heart and we're gonna go out and flow, right? All right, church. Let's bow our heads together and let's pray for that offering. Offering time is where we give God all of us in the best way we can. It's more than just giving a financial gift, but if you're giving a financial gift today uh, to support the mission of the church, which we always need, we survive, it's a fuel. Uh, there's boxes right by the door as you go out today. You can drop that gift off there, but uh, God's wanting our whole heart. That's why he's got Jesus as a surgeon. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, Lord, look at, looking at your word, you've designed our hearts to flow out. You've designed our hearts to change the world. You didn't design them that we build walls around to try and guard them. But Father, we do not have the power in ourselves to guard our hearts. Holy Spirit, we're praying to you now. As we went through that list earlier, Holy Spirit, reveal those areas of our heart where we are not in a good spot and that we can put you as a watchman in that area. Guard our hearts because we hate the sewage that comes in, but we love it when good goes out. Guard our tongues that only life-giving words today come through our vocal cords. Guard our eyes, that when all this garbage pops up around us, we turn our gaze, and the watchman guides us to where we're supposed to go. Guard our thoughts, and keep them fixed on you and your word. Holy Spirit, we need you in a big way. Spirit, break out in this whole church. And let's go out and let our hearts flow, which will change the world because then a spirit will flow from us. There's so many people out there that have diseased hearts. They're suffering and they're looking for hope and it's in you and me. That is about the best Valentine's Day gift I can ever imagine. Father, rise up your church in a bold way. On a cold day, let us be the warmth that everybody needs through the power of the Holy Spirit and Christ in us. We pray all this in Jesus' holy name and all God's people said. Amen. We're going to invite you to stand with us as we close this last song. I know Hallmark would have you believe that Valentine's is all about spending money on somebody that you're in a relationship with of some kind, but celebrating love and the way God created us to love one another is so much more than that. So uh, we want to end with this song that is a reminder of who the watchman is and how good he is and that he is the king of our heart.
Valentine's Sunday. Take the watchman with you and be the king of your heart. See you next week.